Welcome to another episode of Unpacking Bexley, a podcast focused on exploring and analyzing the many different aspects of life and culture in the city of Bexley. We do this through interviews, local community members, historians, and other experts as well, covering a wide range of topics that are important to people here in Bexley. For the next few episodes, we're breaking our conventional format and doing shorter episodes addressing people who are stepping into positions of leadership or offering themselves for positions of leadership to help direct where our city is going and where our schools are going. Specifically, we're talking with candidates for city council and candidates for the Board of Education for the city schools. Today, with us, we have myself, Spencer Cahoon, friendly community neighbor, and also... Kerouac Smith, also a Bexley community member. Stacy Grossman, member of Bexley DEI and Bexley community member. And our special guest today... I'm Victoria Powers, candidate for school board. And Victoria Powers, candidate for school board. I believe you are also a present school board member, so you have some experience in this space. That is correct. Excellent. Well, today we're here to talk about all things school board. And in kind of a, a fun twist, because it's election season, so there's a lot of competition going on, but not on school board, because we have two roles and we have two spots. So it's, it's perfect. Everyone's ready to go in and serve and work together. So we don't have to worry about what sets you apart, but we can focus on where we're going. That's great. Yeah. We're excited about that because that's not always the way things play out. Not everybody necessarily knows exactly what school board is doing or exactly what the role of the Board of Education is in the city schools. So why don't you take a minute to introduce yourself to folks who may be listening and tell them a little bit about what you do and what you have been doing. Thank you. So I am a 26-year resident of Bexley. I have two children who went through the schools here and graduated in 2010 and 2014. My husband, David Horn, is the Dean of Arts and Sciences at Ohio State, and I have been really grateful to serve on the school board for the last four years. My background prior to um, starting on the school board is that I was a lawyer at a law firm in Columbus starting in about 1990. Before that, I lived in San Francisco and worked as a lawyer there. I've been on a lot of boards uh, here in central Ohio. I'm really pleased to be able to participate in the arts community downtown, and I do legal volunteer work now. So on the school board, we, as school board members, we have one voice. We don't have, there are five of us, we don't have five voices, we have just one voice. So we come together as a board, we talk about things, and when we vote, the vote that we take is the voice that that we have. Our priorities, our our main roles are to do policy and to concern ourselves with finance. So I have the pleasure of working with the superintendent and the treasurer. We hire those two individuals, and then they are responsible for running the schools. Uh, People report to them. So we don't really do everything that people think we we might do. And it's important for us to, I used to say to board members, get the big picture, but stay in your own lane. So we we look at everything, but we do have a particular lane that we uh, are charged by state law with staying in. So it's not a space to micromanage. Correct. And you've been here during a very interesting period of time. You've been here during the, the COVID pandemic. You've seen the uh, onboarding of our current superintendent, Dr. Fine, and changeover in a lot of high-level staff in the school. So tell us a little bit about what that process has been like and uh, where we're at right now with our 
executive committee within the schools? So I'm really proud of the process that we went through to identify Dr. Jason Fine as our new superintendent. I was the board member that was um, appointed to lead that search, and I think that's because I was really interested in and felt strongly about having a lot of community input and buy-in. The input is important in order to, I think, to get the buy-in, and so We went Mm -hmm. through a process that I was heavily involved in that made sure that we had a lot of focus group meetings that made sure that when our candidates were here, they had exposure to and Q&A sessions with students, teachers, administrators, community members, leaders in the community, others. I think I asked a lot of everybody, but I really felt pretty strongly that it was important to go through that process. And as a result of that, I think we came up with the best candidate, and I think Dr. Fine's doing a great job. There has been a lot of changeover in the administrative levels. That's not unusual. I don't think you guys probably track that stuff as closely as I do, but I think (laughs) we're all aware that this is a very difficult time in education. It's difficult across our country. It's difficult here in Ohio. There are a lot of reasons for that. But Absolutely. Our teachers, our administrators, our staff, they're all under a lot of pressure, and they're burning out. And so we have been super fortunate to bring in great new leaders. I think Dr. Fine in particular knows a lot of folks, and people want to work for him. And so it's been, it's been really gratifying to see that when we lose people, we've been able to hire people that have been really and are really great. Well, that's wonderful. I think that's the place we all want to be at, right, where we have a great team supporting our kids. Right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about over the next four years, where your, your new term will be, what are some things you imagine working on or helping the schools to accomplish during that time or things you'd like to prioritize during that period? I'd love to. So in my first term, one of the things that I am proud of is that I led the board, didn't work alone on it, but but was very involved in the preparation of our equity and education policy. Mm. That was something that started with the task force. A lot of people were involved. I was on the policy. There were three committees. I was on the policy committee of that task force. We did a lot of work with a lot of folks to ideate about an equity and education policy. I then worked a little more closely in a small group to put pen to paper or finalize the work that the task force had done. And we, the board adopted that policy in December of 2020, I want to say. The policy requires that there be an equity plan prepared by, under the, you know, that the superintendent is required to prepare an equity plan. And when he did that, we knew that he would turn to his leader of of diversity, equity, and inclusion to do the heavy lifting on that. So Marcellus Braxton and others that he worked with and brought into that process prepared that plan. I am going to answer your question. Um, (laughs) That uh, plan helped us to move into our strategic planning. I know you've been involved in that, Spencer, and um, lots of community members helped us with that. The equity work that we've been working on and trying to do better with is um, part of our strategic plan. Everything that's in our strategic plan is why I'm running again for school board. 
I am really excited about continuing the work that we envision in that plan. I worked hard to, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about specific words in that plan. <laughs> we and did. You know, some people found it quite tedious, and I understand. But it was super important to do that hard work, and now it's super important to do the harder work of achieving the goals in our plan. So that is very broadly what I'm most interested in working on as we go forward. I think the implementation of that strategic plan will easily consume the master share of the next four years. So yes, uh, I wish you the best of luck and you will have at least the portion of community support that I can offer in Thank that you. process. I appreciate it. It, it. Community support will be much needed. This plan is ambitious. There are a lot of parts to it. And there are a lot of places where we continue to need and um, won't be able to succeed without the input and the support of the community. What kind of support do you, are you talking about when you talk about community support, like in what tangible ways? So there are a number of, there are I think 17 surveys that are outlined in the, in the plan. They're not all surveys that will go outside the building, but you know, a number of them are, how are we doing this and how should we do it better? But there will be um, a lot of community attention on facilities uh, this year, next year. Facilities is a, a big cost, and so we will need a lot, of facil- a lot of understanding in the community and feedback from the community about what's important and what should we spend money on. Because eventually we will have to go to the community and say, this is what we've come up with. Do you want to pay for it? You know, that'll be a bond issuance or some other type of financing to achieve the long-term goals of the facility piece. In the teaching and learning, there's a lot of, uh, you know, so the three major aspects of the plan are culture, teaching and learning, and facilities. So facilities, there'll be a lot of community involvement. Teaching and learning, one of the places that comes to mind there for community involvement is with the expanded input for uh, experiential learning. There are a lot of mm. opportunities for mentoring, for business consultancies, internships. There are a lot of places where the community can be a part of that, and it'll be very important to uh, keep that going and expand that. And in the culture area, which is really, that's the first piece of our plan. It's always what we talk about first because we are aware and believe that you cannot get to teaching and learning unless students feel mentally accepted, mentally seen, you know, seen, valued, sense of belonging, all those things that come into the culture piece, that has to come first. And that will require work within the building, but also parts of the plan and vision, educating and having that, you know, important back and forth with community members, families around issues that are important to have a better impact with wellness and sense of belonging, et cetera. There are many, many community organizations, DEI, Pride, BMPA. There are just lots of very important groups within our community who work hard to make sure that the community is paying attention to issues and that we are doing what we should be doing in the schools, in the city in all the aspects, and we need that ongoing dialogue and mutual support to 
get it right and to achieve the goals that are set forth in the strategic plan and the goals of one Bexley and the, all the goals that we have laid out for ourselves and are continuing to lay out for ourselves in Bexley. Is there room in that for fluidity? I know that the landscape of education is changing and there's been a push not so much to try and get kids to go to college, but to really hear them. And if they lean more towards trade or skill, is the school going to look into some type of pathway for those students? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, that was something that I talked about when I ran four years ago as well. Talked about it in different ways. Um, having multiple paths to success for students, defining success more broadly. And that is embedded in our strategic plan. Your question about fluidity is a really important one. Any good strategic plan, I think, needs to have an ability to uh, adjust to what is happening at any given time. So on the issue that you're bringing up about multiple paths, yes, we are intentionally looking at different ways to bring in and value for our students different ways of understanding success, different career opportunities, different paths to go on. I think a huge portion of our students do go to college, but there are a lot of really great opportunities without a college education. There are great two-year opportunities, and there are, there's a lot of need for folks to have skills that aren't necessarily taught in college. I think college is great, but it's not for everybody. So we definitely need to not only provide those opportunities, but also value them and count them as successes. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier that in your life prior to this board, you spent many years as an attorney. I'm an attorney as well. I know a lot of folks who are attorneys because of that. And I know a lot of folks who are engaged in technical occupations that didn't require the same level of college training that you and I had to go through for our careers that have done much better financially than right. I at least may have done. I can't speak for you, but many other attorneys I know as well. So there are many pathways to success. That's right. I agree with you. And um, my older son has um, is a lawyer. He's in New York, but he's working for a nonprofit and his... Um, he works on the street helping people on the street, literally. And he's not going to make a lot of money, but he's <laughs> not doing it for the money, of course. Um, and so there are lots of successes that don't equal how much is my salary. Absolutely. What are one or two takeaways that you'd like people to think about when they're thinking about the Bexley Board of Education, or they're thinking about your role on the Bexley Board of Education to help remember you by and what you all do that's so important to our students, our community, our families? Well, I appreciate that. I work hard as a board member. I spend a lot of time on it. I really love doing it. I think partly it's my background uh, in the legal profession. I really um, enjoy digging into the language of the policies. I've, I'm the legislative liaison, and I have spent a lot of time, and I'm very interested in following what is going on in the Ohio State House, mm. uh, in the legislation that affects our students, affects our teaching, affects our schools, affects our community. But as a board member, I'm really focused on the issues that affect our students, our teachers, and what we can teach in the schools, and taxes, because there, there's a lot going on there, too. So um, I feel like I 
have the opportunity to continue to bring interest and experience to those issues. I believe that I have great experience having been on the board for four years. Um, I will be the only board member who's been on the board for four years. So Mm. I think it's good to have some continuity. I believe in accountability. I'm very dedicated to the issues that the DEI group brings to the table. Very important for us to continue to work hard on those issues. And I love working with our school. I feel like our school is at the heart of Bexley. Many of us moved to Bexley because of the schools. Yes, indeed. I'm proud of where our schools are and what we've accomplished so far. But I know there's more work to be done to get our schools to where we want them to be and where our community, students, teachers, staff, administrators, and families expect them to be. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to have the opportunity to uh, roll up my sleeves, continue the work, and work with all the great folks here in Bexley to do as much as we can. Absolutely. It's not really an end point. It's not like you're trying to reach 100 and then you're done. Things are constantly changing. Community expectations, what we expect our kids to be exposed to, to be able to do, what the workplace expects of them. And as long as those things are changing, we'll have to keep changing our schools around that as well. That's right. You mentioned the finance and the taxes. Let me try to slip in one more quick question. We probably have a levy coming up in the next four-year period. And I know we've stretched the last levy well beyond what the expectations were when the levy was put out or during that time. Could you just share a little bit about what that looks like? We don't need exact numbers, but where we're at and what we're expecting down the road. Yeah, and so this is something that the Finance Committee is looking at closely, and I don't serve on that committee. I used to. But I think when I was campaigning four years ago, we were talking about a nine mil levy. And I think our our understanding is that one mil a year is kind of what we need. And so what we talked about, you know, that's one way, that's a property tax way of looking at things. What we um, talked about back then was, hey, we'll probably come back to you in three years with a three mil levy. We did have not done that partly because of ESSER dollars, partly because we're just not as, um, we're, not, we're not quite there yet. We're, we're going to get there quickly. I happen to really appreciate that some of our income, about I think 25% of, probably wrong, but <laughs> a reasonable portion of what we run our schools on is income tax. Income tax, to me, is a little more equitable because it is a a tax that depends on how much you make. And so I am a fan of our district looking at increasing. We currently get 0.75%. You know, that's the amount of our income tax. If we were to take that up a little bit and kind of hold off if we could or, you know, adjust against what we would need to do with property taxes, to me it's in a more equitable way of Mm. asking the community for the funds to run our schools. I mentioned before that only 15% of, you know, round number, 15% of our education dollars in our state, in our schools here come from the state. So, you know, that 85% is a big portion, and we're coming to our community for that. So I think we tried to recognize that we will continue to need more money, but we also recognize that even to get into Bexley is a big expense for folks. And so we want to be very cautious about not asking for more money unless we know that we need it. 
All right. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I think money is always complicated for people. Taxes are always complicated for people. Uh, and hopefully this helps clarify that for some people to better understand. There are quite a few people in the community that don't necessarily understand how levy is distributed and what it's used for. Would you mind maybe just breaking it down into where that money goes once the levy passes? Boy, I wish my treasurer, Kyle Smith, were sitting <laughs> here. He'd do a much better job. I think um, I'll start by saying this, Stacy, that uh, when we went out in the fall four years ago to, to talk about the levy, we realized that because it had been so long uh, since we had that a levy on the ballot, that we had to do a lot of educating about how levies work and um, all of that. And I had to educate myself as part of that process as well. I brought with me my handy-dandy five-year five forecast that we do every May and every November, and this talks about where the money goes. And the money goes probably around 70% of it goes to teaching and learning. I've got a little bit of understanding about what those numbers look like, but the biggest cost by far that we have, and this is you know what our tax dollars pay for, is our teaching, professional development for our teaching, pupil support, special education is a lot of what pupil support is, and then there's the facilities. It's about 16, 17% of what we spend is to make sure that our building is heated in the winter and cooled in the summer and we have to put a roof on it every, you know, all that. And we pay our administrators. Those are the all of the things that happen. There are a few things that we get support from our booster organizations that we don't pay for out of our tax dollars. But there's a lot of pressure on homeowners who are coming in and then understanding that a lot of what it means to be a homeowner in Bexley is that there's this additional tax. When levies are assessed, the amount, it's sort of like a snapshot. And so if your home value goes up after that, your the amount that you're paying does not go up. It's just, we, we capture, let's say there's a millage, um, one mill assessed through a, through a vote of the, of the community. They figure out how much that generates, and then every year that's the amount that that millage will generate. So as we experience this, you know, people sort of think, well, my house went way up in value, so you're getting way more money, but we're not. And so um, hmm. that is why we have to come back. It's not because we're spending fabulously more and more and more money, although one of the things that I've got this um, – five-year forecast turned open to is how much is are we projecting that all this stuff that we're doing through the strategic planning process will cost. We recognize that one of our goals in getting the strategic plan done a little earlier in the spring was so that our treasurer could tell us what he thought all of our wonderful, brilliant ideas were going to cost. So there are costs that we now have in our, in our forecast, which is our budget, but it, you know, I have a background as a financial lawyer, and I'm really sensitive to making sure that we're accountable about how we spend our money and that we're fiscally transparent, but also that we're cautious and that we're good stewards of all the money that we ask the community to give us to educate our kids. 
Well, thank you so much for filling us in on a little bit of what is a, a very difficult and for many folks, difficult to understand topic. Thank you so much, current Board of Education member and candidate for the Board of Education, Victoria Powers. And for everyone else who joined us today, Stacy Grossman, Kerouac Smith, myself, Spencer Cahoon, and all of our Bexley DEI faithfuls out there, as well as our many community members who listen to the podcast. Today, a special shout out to the city of Bexley, because the Bexley City Hall has put us up for recording today, because the library is closed for the holiday. We're going into Rosh Hashanah. And let me just go right in there. I'm sorry I probably Please. interrupted you, but I do want to thank you all for this opportunity and for what you're doing for our community with this podcast. I think it's really wonderful to have these issues that you're bringing to the table discussed for all of us to hear about and think about. Really, really valuable. So thank you to all of you. Thank, well, thank you. Thank you. And for all of our Jewish friends in the community, Shana Tova, hope the new year holds wonderful things for you. And remember, you can listen to us anywhere you get your fine podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you like, we're there. And the name of the podcast is Stacy Grossman. Unpacking Bexley. <laughs>